Praise the Lord. How's everybody this morning? Amen. That's good. <clears throat> Let's go to Isaiah 53. And uh, we want to continue with this that we've been looking at for some time on trusting in healing redemption. And... Uh, we consistently make the statement that I have to consistently place my trust in the healing that belongs to me through the redemptive work of Christ. And uh, beginning here in Isaiah 53, and uh, I'll read it from the Leaser translation. He says, however, he was the one that lifted up our sicknesses and he carried our pain. And we ourselves assumed him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his wounds we were healed. So he made the statement uh, last week, I believe it was, uh, this is what we thought was happening, but this is what was occurring. We thought he was stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, but he was pierced. This was going on because of our transgressions, and by his wounds we were healed. Matthew 8, 16 through 17, the uh, Madsen translation says, He has taken our sicknesses from us, and he's borne all of our infirmities. Moffat says he took away our sicknesses and our diseases he removed. The New English Bible says he took away our illnesses and lifted our diseases from us. Hallelujah. First uh, Peter 2 and 24, one translation says his wounds were the means by which we were the means through which we received healing. God's Word translation says His words have healed you. His wounds have healed you. And another translation says we are healed because of His wounds. So we've made this statement, but it's something that bears repeating is over and over again we see the word our in these verses. Our sicknesses, our diseases. So any, any, any time we see the word our in relation to Christ's suffering... It's referencing the fact that when Jesus did that, when Christ did that, uh, he did that vicariously. He did it vicariously for us, meaning in the place of another or by substitution. And uh, anytime I see where Christ suffered as my substitute, healing was included. Anytime, every time, all right? Uh, in these verses, we see the finished work of redemption. And uh, that's something that I've, I've touched on some, but very often people will talk about, well, the finished work, the finished work, the finished work. The finished work of what? The finished work of redemption. What was I redeemed from? Well, I was redeemed from sin. Yes, you were. But there's more that I was redeemed from. I had somebody come to me not too long ago that's been saved for I don't know how many years, a number of years, a good number of years, and said, I just learned to take the package. And, and the, the, the key is, is if it's a finished work, finished, 
meaning price paid. Right? Meaning nothing due. It's finished. When, when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, it was a reference to the earthly ministry. It was a reference to the previous covenant, but it was a reference to the work of redemption. It's finished. There's, there's nothing more to be added to it. There's nothing more to be done to make it more relevant or more real or more vibrant. It's, it's a finished work. It's finished because it covered every part of the believer's life. All right, when a house is built, uh, the foundation is laid, the frame is put up, but there comes a time that the finishing crew comes in, and they're going to finish the house. It's not a house till it's finished. You might have the structure... You may have the frame. You may even have the foundation. A lot of people have the foundation. They're born again. They're on their way to heaven. If they died today, they'd go gloriously to heaven. And that, that's wonderful. Then, then there's other people. They go on to the other parts that, were, that, that, that belong to us. All right? But then there's those that are going to walk in the finished work. It's tough to live in a house that's not finished. You know, if, if there's parts missing, you know, if you've ever been in a house in the middle of a remodel, it's, it's hard to live there because things are tore apart. The, the carpet's not down, the, the drywall's off, the whatever, you know, and you know the finished product's going to be wonderful, right? Because you have an idea of what it is. It's a finished work. It's the finished work of redemption. And here's what I've got to remember. What I think about the finished work determines what I receive from the finished work. What I think about it determines what I receive from it. Hallelujah. And we're going to go to another scripture in a moment, but uh, in... Uh, In uh, Finnis Dake's great book, God's Plan for Man, uh, he wrote in his book 22 proofs that bodily healing is in the, in the atonement. And I'm not going to go through them, but uh, the point is, he said, we have innumerable cases of healing by Christ on the basis of himself took our infirmities and our, bare our sicknesses, and he said, if this was not through his atoning work, then upon what grounds did he heal? If it wasn't through his atoning work. See, people have this idea that somehow God in the Old Testament just decided to circumvent what he thought was right and do something good for people anyway. It was based on the atonement that was coming. I've said it this way. Every person that was healed under the first covenant was healed on credit. So if he didn't heal on the basis of the atonement, then on what grounds did he heal? He went on and said, both Isaiah and Peter say that by the stripes of Jesus we're healed. 
Shall we deny this and say the stripes of Jesus were not part of His sufferings at the time He made atonement for all men? And we, we've talked about that. Isaiah, Matthew, Peter, they all say by His stripes we were healed. Well, as He said, there, should, should we deny that and say they were not part of His sufferings? Well, you can't do that. He said, sickness came as a result of sin, and certainly sin is removed by the atonement of Jesus Christ, or it has no remedy. Sickness came as a result of sin, and certainly sin is removed by the atonement of Jesus Christ, or it has no remedy. So if sickness came because of sin, and sin was removed, sickness was removed. Hallelujah. Forgiveness of sins and healing of the body go hand in hand. And both were provided for at the same time and by the same means. Isaiah plainly states that the Messiah was made sick for us and took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. In verse 10 of Isaiah 53, the word, the phrase put him to grief literally means he was made sick for us. He was made sick for us. Now, I've trained myself over the years. When I read something like that, my mind immediately goes to this redemptive understanding. Anything that he did for me, he was made sick for me. It's a change of thinking. Every, every, everyone in here, everyone watching online, if you're born again, most Christians that you know, if you say Jesus was made sin for me, the amen, hallelujah, that's right. And he was made sick for me. Well, but let's, let's reiterate this phrase. Forgiveness of sins and healing of the body go hand in hand. Sickness came as a result of sin and sin is removed by the atonement of Jesus Christ or it has no remedy. Hallelujah. And he was made sick for us. Now just so you know, these truths have been, they've been here around as long as the Bible's been around. This book was written in 1949. So people have known these truths for generations. But, but what happens is that uh, it only takes one or two generations for a revelation to be lost. And, and, and very often, I'm gonna, I want to reiterate these things as I'm teaching this, very often uh, in, in our circles, we begin to look for reasons why something isn't happening instead of focusing on what happened. Well, I don't understand why I'm sick. I'll, I'll help you with that. You ready? It's deep. This is deep. There's a devil loose. End of discussion. And, right? And, well, but did I let the guard down? Did I open the door? That's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. Right? What you focus on is door open, guard down, gate open, dog door open, whatever was open. All right? Here, here's, here's the reality. At the same time I was saved, and sin was removed, sickness was removed. So what I need to do 
is focus on that and build my faith on that. If I'm building my faith on healing, if there's a reason I'm not being healed, God will show me. Amen. And people are very quick sometimes to try to point out reasons why people are sick. I don't know all the reasons people are sick. There are reasons people are sick. But I don't know all of them. But I know the main one is this. They don't know that it was already paid for. Oh, hallelujah. That, that's the important thing. So when I, what I think about the finished work determines what I receive from the finished work. Look, look over in 1 Corinthians 11. And we'll spend uh, a bit of time here in 1 Corinthians 11 today. And uh, hallelujah. There, there has to be an intensity. When, when uh, uh, you know, if somebody said, do you know you're saved? You'd say, I know I'm saved, meaning from sin. I know I'm saved, right? We used to sing a song about that in church. I was there when it happened, so I guess I ought to know. Amen. Hallelujah. I never shall forget the day. When Jesus washed my sins away, it made me happy, glad, and free. Right? I never shall forget the day. Oh, we'd sing that song over and over and over again. But here's the point. And, and a lot of those people, they sure enough, they, they could take you to the altar and probably show you the tear stains where they got born again. Right? But they were, they were talking about their eternal salvation, their eternal time with God. I'm saved from hell. I'm on my way to heaven. And that same person might be dealing with something or struggling in their body. And they're talking about how they will never forget the day they were saved. And they didn't even know everything they were saved from. Hallelujah. And, and with every wave of move, a move of God, the, the healing revival, the charismatic movement, the word of faith revival, with every one of those, healing has been at the center of it. At the center of it. Right? Not only in the, in the healing revival, not only does God want you saved, He wants you healed. In the charismatic renewal, not only does God want you saved, He wants you filled with the Holy Ghost and healed. In the word of faith, God wants you saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, have a working knowledge of His word and be healed. Hallelujah. And in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he break it, the bread, and said, take ye, this is my body. Now notice, I know punctuation is not anointed, and you've probably heard people say that, so they kind of disregard punctuation. Don't ever do that. Because notice, when he had given thanks, this is something Jesus showed Paul. The verse before that, I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you. Paul was not there when this happened. Jesus told him. Now don't misunderstand what I'm about to say here. The, the, the other accounts in Matthew and Mark, they, they don't go into this detail. Jesus told Paul when he'd given thanks over the bread, whoo, glory. He broke it, the bread, and said, 
take, eat. This is my body, comma. This is my body, which is, notice, not will be, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Meaning what? Of what I did. Is that right? This is my body which is broken for you. Then after the same manner he took the cup, and when he had supped, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do as oft as you drink in remembrance of me. Now notice, this is my body broken for you. Now the word for is an interesting word. Because obviously if we think if you do something for somebody, in behalf of is part of the meaning, for the sake of. But here's my, I like this. It means instead of. So he did it for me. He did it in my behalf, but he did it instead of me. So instead of my body being broken, his body was broken. Oh, hallelujah. Now, we'll come back here and look at Isaiah 53. Instead, in the stead of. So that was what, Paul, what part of Paul's wonderful revelation in Galatians 2, verse 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, new I, new creature, live. Yet not I, old creature. Right? But the life that I now live, I live. Notice he did not say by. He said, I live through the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. That's how I lived this life, through the faith that I was crucified with Christ. That's redemption in its nutshell. I was crucified with Christ. Something happened to Christ, so something doesn't have to happen to me. But now we take that for sin, but think about it. Christ was made sick, so I don't have to be sick. His body was broken, so my body doesn't have to be broken. Isaiah 53 and verse 4. Surely He has borne our griefs or our diseases and carried our sorrow, our pain. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement needful for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So he said, notice he's borne our griefs, and we made mention of that, our diseases and our pain. He's borne them. He's carried them. So he carried them. Well, where did he carry them? Peter said, in his body, uh, that was broken for you. In his body, 
were my griefs and my, my illnesses and my pains. Then it says, he was wounded. That word is tormented. He was wounded. He was tormented. For our, for our, for our transgressions. That word transgressions is rebellion or sin. He was tormented for my rebellion and my sin. Whew, glory to God. I'm going through some of these because I want you to see the totality of this. There are Christians you know that sit around and agonize about their past and they agonize about the failures in their life and they agonize over where they've missed it. When somebody was already tormented for that and they're, they're tormented in their minds because of it and they, ne they, never, they never take the time to quote Hebrews chapter 14 where it says, where it makes the statement that the blood of Jesus Christ has purged my conscience from dead works that I can serve the living God. Amen. Every time the devil would bring something up where I had missed it, I would say, my, my conscience has been purged by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So he was tormented for my rebellion, my sin. Then it says he was bruised, meaning he was crushed. He was destroyed. It literally means he was beat to pieces. <sighs> Mercy. Notice, for our, for our iniquity, for our evil, our fault. Our depravity. So he was crushed, destroyed, beat to pieces for my evil, my faults, and my depravity. Hallelujah. And it meant so much to him that he prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane to get to go do that. That's powerful to me. That my, my, my model, my forerunner, was so committed to my healing that he knew he had, he had to, he knew what was ahead of him. He knew the beating on, at the whipping post was first. He knew the crown of thorns would be second. And he knew the cross where he paid the price would be last. The physical price. But he knew there was a fourth price. He knew he had to be tormented in hell. And he prayed to pull his will under the will of God to go do that. Hallelujah. That's, that's why anybody, that's why anybody that even gives a hint that sickness might be God's will or that it might not be God's will to heal, they are, they are so selling the sacrifice of our Savior short. And if I'm not tenacious about it and intense about it, You've got to resist sickness the same way you resist sin. It has to be with that same fervor. Why? Because of this notice. Why do I, why do I resist sin so determinedly? Because he was tormented for my sin. 
He was crushed. He was beat to pieces for my evil. So for someone to willingly sin after this was done, it's like saying, that don't matter. That, that wasn't a very high price. Because I'll just repent and get forgiven. Well, I have the right to repent when I miss it because he was tormented, crushed, destroyed, and beat to pieces for my sin. So I have a right to repent because he did that. But that doesn't mean I take it flippantly and just do whatever I want to do because I can repent. What he did means something. Hallelujah. Then it says, the chastisement. For our peace was upon him. The chastisement, the discipline, the chastening, the correction that was needful for our peace. That's that wonderful word. Our completeness. Our soundness in body. Our health was on him. The chastisement. So he was disciplined. He was chastened. He was corrected. So that I could have completeness, soundness in body and health. Now most believers have no trouble believing this, especially where sin is concerned. But they overlook the fact that Isaiah bookends those truths with healing. He carried our sicknesses, our illnesses, and our pains. By his stripes, we are healed. He starts with healing, ends with healing. And in between is all the other works of redemption. Hallelujah. A lot, you'll hear people say, well, you know, you can't save yourself, so that's why Jesus died. That's exactly right. You also can't heal yourself, and that's why Jesus died as well. With all the advancements that we have in medical technology, they still can't heal people. Because there's only one price that was strong enough to heal. Only one. Oh, hallelujah. Now, back in <laughs> 1 Corinthians 11, we have to see that word salvation for all that it encompasses. Oh, hallelujah. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. This is, he said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. So the broken body represents our healing. His body for our bodies. His brokenness produced healing for our brokenness. Any, anything you see that Christ did for you, your only part in that is faith. There's nothing else to do. 
That's a revelation that many believers don't possess. Because you'll have people come to the altar and they'll say, well, that person get saved? Yeah, did they get really saved? What do you mean? How do you get really saved? How do you get really healed? Well, I don't want to just feel better. I want to be healed. Well, what do you mean? Doesn't feeling better come with healed? I, I mean, it just does. So, notice, the body, the broken body, represents our healing. So, take that into your spirit and see any area my body is broken in. You know, if somebody has an issue with their heart, they don't, they don't talk about a broken heart if there's a physical issue, but yet that's what it is. Right? Or, or well, my, my eyesight is broken, or my, uh, my lungs are broken, or whatever. They, 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 they look at it. You've got to, every, in everything in redemption, you've got to boil it down to its bare essence. If it's not working right, it's broken. And here's the key to that. Somebody else was broken for me. Right? Paul put the essence of salvation in these words. He said, here's the essence of salvation. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. That's the essence of it. Well, what is a sinner? Someone who's away from God. So they're not saved. They're not whole. They're not complete. So when you read that verse, Christ came to save sinners. That's why He came. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus, they, they said, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? And what did Jesus say? He said, the whole do not need a physician. The sick need a physician. Well, who, he was there as the Savior of the world, but what was he saying? He was putting all of redemption in one statement. Whatever your problem is, I'll heal you of it all. That's why I'm here. Amen. And so the broken body represents my healing. His body broken for me. His body for my body. Remember what he said in, in the book of Hebrews? He said, he said, sacrifice and burnt offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared me. Why? He had to give his body. For what? Your body. Wherever your body may be hurting, Jesus' body hurt the same place. All at the same time. Every sickness, every disease, the pain, the debilitation, the struggle with e that comes from every sickness and every disease was laid on him all at once. He experienced it. He felt all of them all at one time. 
Amen. It wasn't just the weight of sin that caused him to die so early on the cross. Jesus died early with your sickness. Jesus lived a short life because he died with our sicknesses. He lived a short life because he died with our sin. The wages of sin is death. Now that's so important. The wages of sin is death. Nobody in here, you sinned in your life maybe more than you want to admit at one time. And you didn't die. Yet the wages of sin is death. Had you persisted in that life, you would have eventually paid the ultimate price for that sin, which was death. Is that right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What did Jesus say He came to give? I came to give life and give it more abundantly. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Why do I get the life? Because somebody else paid the wages of sin. And that price, that payment was death. Now far from just teaching on redemption as a whole, I'm trying to get your mind to go in your mental Rolodex that when you go to salvation, there are compartments. People will say, that's right, Jesus paid the wages of sin so I don't have to die and spend eternity away from Christ. That's, that's exactly right, but that's part of the package. You don't have to die in sin because somebody else paid the wages of sin for you and died for you, but he was also broken in his body for your broken body. Hallelujah. And the travesty with people not accepting that is they somehow get into this mindset well, I can go to heaven sick. Why? When the price has been paid. Right? That would be like somebody saying, well, you know, uh, I'm, I know the price was paid, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to live in sin just a little while longer. Well, why? When the price has been paid. Notice this. Hallelujah. So his body for my body. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 11 there, verse 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. Now, the unworthily, the unworthily there is not talking about the person. It's talking about the worth ascribed to the bread. The worth ascribed to the meal. And he said that the reason is that they do not discern the Lord's body. And then he uses this phrase, for this cause. So for this cause, 
indicates a failure to see the completeness of the sacrifice of Christ. P.C. Nelson, in his book, Doctrines of the Bible, talks about the fact that the communion table is a healing ordinance in the church. Now, the bread don't heal you, it, but it gives you an understanding of what belongs to you. Hallelujah. Because remember, he said, do this in remembrance of me or for a remembrance of what I did. So for this cause, a failure to recognize the completeness of the sacrifice of Christ. So he gave his body for our bodies. So the question is, did he give his body? According to scripture, he did. If he did, we're redeemed from brokenness because of sickness and disease. All right? That, that's how I read the Bible. If he did this, then there's something I don't have to have. If you were about to go do something, you said, hey, I'm, I'm going to go pick this up, and somebody said, no, no, I already did it. Well, you're not going to go, well, I'm going to go down there and make sure. I hope. No, you're going to be grateful. They already did it. I don't have to do it. So if he did, then I'm redeemed from brokenness because of sickness and disease. I'm not just going to shout about I'm redeemed and shout about the fact that I'm redeemed. I'm going to present myself that way. You talk about yourself in the manner that you are, according to the Word. We talked, was it two weeks ago, what is on record? What's on record about you? Well, what's on record about you is His body was broken for you. Now, just by way of example, it could be this way. When someone says, Lord, I thank you for my healing. Now, God knows everything, but just for the sake of making it clear. The father says, okay, the son's body was broken for them, right? Right. And they're healed. Because that's what God makes decisions based on what has been completed and what's on record. God's not making things up as he goes along. Hallelujah. So, if it's broken, if it was broken for me, no reason for me to be broken. But that, that's, where the, that's where the intensity comes in. I'm not having this 
because the price was paid. I have the receipt. And this thing is paid for. And it's not because it's a, a theological bent of my group. It's because it's what the Word says. What made the early days of the Word of Faith so powerful? Word of Faith has lost a lot of its steam because you got a lot of parrots out there just parroting, just talking what somebody else knows. What made the Word of Faith so powerful was all the guys in the beginning of the Word of Faith, they all came out of Pentecost. They all came out of Pentecost. Brother Hagin, Assembly of God. Charles Capps, Assembly of God. Kenneth Copeland, Assembly of God. They all come out of the Assembly. They all come out of the Pentecostal denominations. They had a good, they had a good foundation. The early days, when you read the early days of Pentecostal literature, Assembly of God literature, you would be amazed to see the same phrases that you see in the Word of Faith from like 1916, 1920, 1921. Hallelujah. One man that, that had been in the Assembly of God for years told Brother Hagin, he said, what you're preaching is what we taught in the early days of the Assembly. Because that's what they taught at Azusa. That's what they taught in every revival coming. The, the, the thing that you have to understand is these truths get lost because people lay them down. People walk away from them, right? And that, but right on the other hand, what's worse than that is just saying something because it sounds good. I've got to look and say, okay, this literally physically happened. His body broken for me. And that, that's what brings the intensity into it. Sickness makes me angry. Makes me angry. When I see someone suffering, makes me mad. Because they, they don't have to do that. I, I recognize it as a usurper. As a trespasser. Amen. Amen. When, when, I would, when I would, my kids, and still the child I have now, when, when my kids were growing up, if, if, they, if they weren't feeling well, they had a fever, I didn't go in there and just pray over them. I would go in there and lay my hands on them. And I'd say, you fever, you have no right in our home. You are under the curse. The, the Bible says extreme burning and inflammation is under the curse of the law. You got to go. Because we're not under the curse. We're under the blessing. You don't have a right here. The blessing resides in this home, not the curse. Hallelujah. The lamb in Exodus 12, we won't go there, was a type of this. The lamb, the body of that lamb was given in order to give strength and health and healing to the Israelites coming out of bondage. The blood protected them from the destroyer. The destroyer was passing through the land. What was the destroyer bringing? Death. What did he say? He said, take a lamb and slay the lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of the house. But then take the body of the lamb and roast it with fire 
and eat it with bitter herbs and eat it ready to go. So they're in the house protected by the blood eating the lamb. Hallelujah. I'm healed because he gave his body for my body. I've eaten of the lamb. That's what, remember what Jesus said in the book of John? Sometimes we read these things and we just think it, think it was a Jesusism. Why did he say that? And, and they were talking to him and he said, I'm the bread that came down out of heaven. He said, your, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness. I'm the bread that came out of heaven. And then he made the statement, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have any part of me. Well, what does that mean? Any part of what I'm going to buy any part of what I'm going to produce, any part of what I'm going to pay for, if you don't eat my flesh, if you don't take my body for your body, if you don't drink my blood, if you don't receive forgiveness, you can't have any part of me. What's that mean? If you don't take it, you can't have it. You got to take it. And many walked away from him. And he went to the twelve and said, are you going to leave? And they said, where do we have to go? They didn't understand it. Don't fool yourself. They didn't understand it. They just knew, where else we got to go? You got the words of eternal life. We don't get that, but... Amen. See, this is I'm, I'm, I'm what I want to show you. That's how you have to receive it. I don't understand. I don't understand how healing comes into my body. I don't understand how God can come and fix something that's been wrong for years that nobody could help me with, but yet in a moment of time, I believe what He said and I'm healed. It's because I took His body into my body and His body, which is perfection, drove out the imperfection in my body. That's what I know. I know that when I received Him in my life as my Savior and I received the blood of Jesus Christ into my life and I received that, my life was full of sin, my life was full of failure, but when I received Him, I received a perfect forgiveness, I received a perfect salvation, and all of His perfection drove out the imperfection in my life. As a matter of fact, the perfection that He is killed the old man that I used to be. And that's why when you receive the broken body of Jesus, if we could say it this way, it kills the sickness that you're dealing with. How does it kill the sickness? It quickens your body. That's why the Bible says that, that, that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. So, I'm healed. Because he gave his body for my body. But then I'm protected from the destroyer because of his blood. That's why I can say no evil will befall me and no plague will come near my dwelling. Because I am healed and I have the blood of Jesus on my life and I'm kept. So I'm not only going to get healed, I'm going to stay healed. That's it. I received all that at the same time. People think house and they think building. Put something over my door. The Bible says you're a spiritual house. 
you. Built up unto God. Well, where's the blood of Jesus? On your heart. The doorpost of your house. Your house is redeemed. <laughs> your house, your, that, that body that, that is redeemed. The price has been paid for it. That, that's why if you die before Jesus returns for the church, when He comes back, He's going to reclaim your body because He paid for it. And there's nothing going to be left in the earth that He paid for. Hallelujah. Nothing. So I have to make sure that I don't leave anything on the table that He paid for. Mm. In one night, the Israelites received their health, their protection, and their deliverance. This is a type. At the very moment we were born again, we received our salvation from sin, sickness, and bondage. And that's why you can answer so affirmatively about things. Well, what about this? I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. Well, what if? No, what if? I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. I'm staying in the house under the blood. Now, you've got to respond ever how you respond. And, and, and please hear me when I say this. Hear my heart. I've had people tell me, well, you know, you just think too much of yourself. Forgive me if you don't put the same emphasis on the sacrifice of my Savior that I do. I'm sorry. That, that's just the reality of it. That's like, somebody, that's like somebody saying, well, Pastor Michelle will do this, and I'll go, no, she won't. Well, you just think too much of yourself. Forgive me if I've been married to the woman 29 years. You do not know of what you speak. I don't ever presume to tell anybody. If I come talking about somebody's husband, I don't presume to tell them what he's going to do. I don't know. I don't live with them. But the one I live with, I know. Right? The one who has saved me, I know. I know him. Right? And that, that's the intensity that you work with. When somebody says, well, I, I don't want you to catch this. I don't, want, I don't mind telling you I'll never have it. I'll never have it. Those are not just words. It's based on something. Right? It's based on something. The, the, for instance, the Bible says that he wants your bones to be moist. Meaning he wants them to be supple and flexible, right, and strong, right? Well, if that's what he wants, what does that mean? His body was broken for me. So whatever, what, right, don't let them, don't let people put something on you 
because of your gender, your age, your race. Right? Well, you know, after all, you're a woman, and women have X. I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. Hallelujah. Well, you know, once you get to this age, this. Huh? No, I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. Well, you know, you're this race, and this runs in this race. I don't mind telling you, I'll never have it. Why? Because whatever it is, he carried it. Amen. That, that, but that's the intensity that I have to produce. I have to enforce this with. When we say, I, I talked about this two weeks ago. When we say I'm not, you know, people say I'm not the, the sick trying to get well. I'm the well protecting my health. For too many people, that's just a confession that they make. They don't see themselves as the well. I got to see myself as the well. I can't talk about how sick I am and say I see myself as the well. Well, yeah, that's a bad confession. No, 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 no. Every time, every time somebody says, well, I'm this, I'm that, I'm sick, I got a bad heart, I got a bad liver, I got a bad this, I got a bad that, they're saying Jesus wasn't broken for them. What, what do I make my decisions on? What is on record? Oh, hallelujah. Think, think about this. I'll close with this. Try to. People will say, God took my heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh. That's written in the Bible. He'll take their stony heart and give them a heart of flesh. And people will shout about that. Amen. Yes, that's right. So what did God do? He took it and gave you something else. It says himself took. So at the same time he took your stony heart, he took your debilitating disease. Right? If somebody took something from me, it's not my possession any longer. So if it was taken, how can I say I have it? It was, it was, it was took. Oh, hallelujah. One time, this became so clear to me one time. This was back uh, in the early, early part of the 21st century. And the big thing then was to get a, like a navigation system. They didn't have them in cars then. But like a Tom-Tom or a Garmin or, or whatever. And you could, uh, you could uh, uh, put it on your window or, you know, whatever. And they warned you, you know, not to leave your, uh, your bracket in your car. That if you left your bracket in your car, take your device with you. Because people were going around breaking into cars breaking into glove boxes and finding those devices if they saw those brackets. Well, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. One day I parked in front of our house when we lived in DeSoto, and, and I was in a hurry, and I put that thing in the glove box and ran in the house and got busy doing something. And, and I came out the next day, next morning, to go to the office, and uh, sure enough, somebody had taken it. Watch now. I had one, but somebody took it. I don't have it anymore. 
I used to have that, but somebody took it. I don't have it anymore. Yeah, I used to have heart trouble, but somebody took it. And I don't have it anymore. Well, where'd it go? I don't know. They took it. Right? Amen. I used to have liver disease. Well, what happened to it? Somebody took it. It's like the lady that came up to Brother Hagen to be prayed for. And she was a, a, an older lady. And he said when she came up, she looked like she was pregnant. And she said that, that she had a mass, a tumor, in, in her, her abdomen. And it was cancerous. And uh, that was the time that the Lord told Brother Hagen, he said, well, punch her in the stomach. And uh, he said, you know, well, Lord, I don't believe I much want to do that. But anyway, he said, you know, I backed up and he didn't hit her real hard, but he, he punched her. He said, and when I did, it just, it was like a balloon pop. That thing just disappeared. He said the woman had to grab her dress and gather it up around her. And she said, well, well it's gone. And he said, I didn't let on, but I was just surprised as she was. And I said, yeah, it's gone. And she said, well, where'd it go? And he said, well, I don't know, but let's just rejoice over it. See, my point in saying that, well, where'd it go? I don't know. Somebody took it. Right? Not, I had one, but it's, somebody took it. I had back trouble, but somebody took it. Amen. Hallelujah. I saw something the other day. A minister, pastoring a church, a thriving church. Retiring at 48. And retiring at 48 because of advanced plaque disease in his arteries. Now, I'm not making fun of the man. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's a, it's a minister, a preacher of the gospel that has the word of God at their disposal. Right? And the heart progressively getting worse. It's not the kind of plaque that, that you can fix. And, and I've got I've to I've retire, and I've got to get a less stressful job. Now, I'm not making fun. Please don't misunderstand me. And I'm not questioning him. But what I'm saying is that's just like the devil. Right? I used to have that, but somebody took it. Right? Think about this. If they have discovered, and they have, that by changing a radical change to your diet concerning certain things can produce the healing of heart valves just with your diet. Not something that they've heard about. It's something that over an intensive, years-long study at the Cleveland Clinic of, of heart disease. They discovered with this group of people, some people were given six months to live by their doctor and told to go home and enjoy their family and avoid stares. Now here's my point. They radically changed their diet. They cut a lot of stuff out and only ate certain things. Those people are still alive. Now here's my point. If nutrition can do that, 
What can God do? Now, you know, God's not healing your heart so you can go eat a double cheeseburger. I need you to know that, right? God's not going to unclog your arteries so you can go fill them back up with fat back. The Bible says I got to take care of this temple, right? I have to be a guardian over this temple. But here's my point. If you've got it, he took it. Isn't that great? He took it. He took it. When, when, when you come to understand that diseases like cancer and things of that nature, they live off of certain things. They live off of sugar. Their, their primary food source is sugar. And it's been proven when you cut out the sugar, those cancer cells die. But here's the point. Even if I have that, God will take it. Because it's already been taken. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't necessarily have to be taken because he already took it. You see what I mean? It's not healing that Jesus bought back. It was perfect health that Jesus bought back. Why? There was no healing in the garden. Nobody was sick. Now, don't, miss, don't, don't, don't slide past that. So if Jesus took everything, brought everything back, bought everything back that Adam lost, what did he bring back? Perfect health. Well, we live in a world with a curse on it, Pastor. Yes, we do. But think about it. I'm in a house covered by the blood, eating the body of the lamb. Amen. Divine health in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you today. Thank you for your divine healing promises that are ours by virtue of the word of God. Father, we thank you that not only can we expect, whew, Lord, to be healed, we can expect to stay healed. Oh, that's, that's our goal is divine health. And Father, we thank you for the healing power of God flowing through our bodies. We thank you for the healing power of God flowing through the bodies of those watching online. And we declare in the name of Jesus that the price has been paid. The body of Christ has been broken. And when it was broken, he took what we used to have. And it's not ours anymore. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Till we see you next time, please remember to build your faith by the word of God and keep the switch faith turned on. God bless you.